0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Ooh, Revelation. Ooh, some of y'all had that exact reaction. I think that's phenomenal. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our sermon series, Thy Kingdom Come. God has promised that he will finish building his kingdom on earth. And in, in fact, the gates of hell itself will not stand against it. Amen, church? The the church wins in the end. Um, Jesus instructed his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But he also taught that the kingdom of heaven was here and now in the time in which Jesus was walking. So the kingdom is now, it's here, but we're also to pray for, for it to come, for it to continue to come, for it to continue to advance and build over time. And so as a result, for us to try and understand what it means to be God's kingdom-building people because that is what we're called to do and we're talking about this explicitly in our Sunday school class. We talked about it this morning, the Dominion Mandate that began with the Garden of Eden, continued through Noah, and went all the way through the sending out of the disciples, the Great commission in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, excuse me, verses 18 through 20. The day we're going to continue this understanding, last week, if you remember, we talked about how the building of the kingdom of God was was not fast, right? It it takes time, it takes commitment to the glorious little tasks that the Lord has given us to do each and every day. It's it's calling us to to be faithful, to to go to work, and to work hard, and to, to take advantage of the opportunities that the Lord has given us to do that work, Amen? And it means that we're going to be faithful in the the glorious everyday tasks of of taking care of our kids and and wiping butts and, and patting them on the back and telling them good job on their drawings, you know, all kinds of things like that to encourage them and to continue to advance the kingdom of God through that way. And it means each and every moment that you have now in this life is a moment that God has given you to be faithful to build his kingdom. But it's not always going to be in great, big building moments. The kingdom of God builds, advances slowly, gradually, over time. Last week we looked at Acts chapter 19 and you saw that that Paul, Paul, one of the greatest to ever live in advancing the kingdom of God and advancing the gospel, he spent three years with people just to teach them what it meant to be Christians. And in hindsight, we believe that we can learn everything we need to know in 45 minutes once a week. It's just not true. If we're to follow the Lord truly and get his word down deep into our hearts, then that means we must be committed to a much more serious habit of study and instruction. Amen? Amen, buddy. Amen. I love that we have kids in church. I love that. And that means. That that body of instruction, that body of knowledge, that body of teaching that we have to learn takes time. Any instruction does. You don't go to trade school and then come back the next day and be like, I'm a welder. No, of course you don't. You don't go off to trade school and come back the next day. I can plumb now, right? It doesn't work like that. You need time and instruction and patience and commitment. The same thing is true with the Bible. We cannot expect to master all of what it means to be a Christian with just a tiny, tiny bit of apathetic commitment. We must engorge ourselves with the word. But in order to do that, in order to commit to that body of knowledge, we've got to want it, right? We, we have to desire it. And we talked about this a little bit last week, to where if we, if we lacked that Holy Spirit desire to very simply just ask the Lord for it. And that's why Jesus instructed that, that the kingdom was, was for those who were like little children, those who had the faith of a child, the tiny little bit of faith. And what do children act like? They say, can, can I have that? Y'all getting close to Christmas, y'all know too, don't you? Can I have that? I can, I can have that? <laughs> That's how little kids act. And that's how we are instructed to respond to the Lord. Lord, can can I have that faith, that Holy Spirit power, Father? Can I have that passion? Because that's all that the Lord asks that we do. And I want to start this sermon very carefully by making that painstakingly clear. If you find that you are missing the passion of the Lord in your life, if you find that you are missing the zeal to follow the Lord in all of life, there is a very simple solution. You can ask for it. Amen? You can ask Him for it. But today we're going to talk specifically about a group of Christians who were Christians who have lost that passion and Jesus' specific words to them. Go to Revelations chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, and we'll read 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church of, in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Now, I want to stop right there because that can be a little bit of tricky, a little bit of moment of trickiness for you. All of those words are, are titles of Jesus, okay? The words of the Amen, we get that from Isaiah. Specifically Isaiah 65, the faithful and true witness, we get that from all over the book of Isaiah, prophecies about Jesus himself, and the, the beginning of God's creation, That we know already that Jesus was the firstborn of, of God's creation, right? We know all those things, all of these things are titles of Jesus. So what he's saying is the words of Jesus, the faithful and true witness who is Jesus, the beginning of God's creation who is Jesus. So in other words, what we're supposed to understand here is Jesus is talking. Verse 15, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Verse 17, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind. And naked. I counsel you to, to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that, so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. In other words, he's saying, you guys think you have everything. Y'all caught that, huh? Back in verses 16, 17, and 18. He says, you think you have everything. You actually have nothing. You can't see everything." You have no clothes. You're not provided for. You have no real riches. That's what he's telling them there in those two passages. Verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Amen? Isn't that wonderful news about the Lord? Those whom he loves, he reproves. Those whom he loves, he disciplines. Because he desires us to turn from our sin and turn towards him. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with, the, with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father it can be intimidating at time to read your words intimidating because we maybe we understand exactly what they say and we're scared or maybe intimidating because we we don't quite understand yet Father I pray that that second option would not be true of us today that we would know fully what it is that you are calling us to do in the next few moments and that we would by your power, follow you in all of this. Father, forgive us that we have been passive, that we have been weak-minded, weak-willed. Forgive us that we have been without passion. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in the next few moments to be filled with your Holy Spirit to the point where we are passionate for your kingdom where we are passionate to build, and we recognize the magnificent calling that you have put upon our lives to not just build for ourselves, but to build for eternity. Help us this day, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. What we see today here in the text is is sobering, and it should be. It should be a moment where we, are, where we maybe are caught a little bit off guard, where, where Jesus brings a rebuke, not just to the church of Laodicea, but also potentially to all of us, to so where we, we hear this moment where these people who think that they are passionately following the Lord in all of life actually have nothing. They have, they have no wealth. They can't see. They have no clothing even to cover themselves, to protect themselves. They have nothing. And Jesus has to tell them that. Think about that for just a moment. For all this church knew, everything was fine. For all these people knew, they were doing well. He, he, he starts off this section by saying, I have seen your works, which implies that they're, they're doing ministry, that they're, they're working for the people around them and for one another, that they are, that they are laboring to care for each other, but they don't know what they don't know. Y'all see what I'm talking about? They don't know that they aren't really following Jesus with all of their heart, mind, soul, strength. They don't know that they've they've fallen by the wayside. And that should scare all of us a good bit. This church lacks self-awareness. And people who aren't self-aware... They're not aware that they're not self aware. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, they, they don't know what they don't know. They, don't, they can't see it. They, they're devoid of the Spirit of God. Because remember, we've talked about this so many times. What are the primary gifts of the Holy Spirit? What are the primary gifts? One of them is that, that we are, are given God's law. He writes His law on our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have put, are given a desire, according to the book of Ezekiel, to, to keep His law, to keep His commands. We want to follow the Lord. And he convicts us of our sin. Those are the primary gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if they don't have this, the Spirit's not working in their church. They're devoid of the Spirit's work. But they're doing ministry. Isn't that interesting? He starts off, remember right there in verse 15, I know your works. I know what you've done. I know how you've been laboring to care for people within your church and within your family or within those within the regions around you. I know how you've been attempting to proclaim the gospel around you, but do you wonder why you haven't had any fruit yet? Because there's no Holy Spirit power in what you're trying to do. In other words, they don't know what they don't know. Now, it seems like they're Christians. It seems like they believe in Jesus, but... But their gold is not refined. Their clothes don't hide their shame. The salve doesn't heal their blindness. They can't see anything. In other words, their efforts are worthless. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, write this down. It says it this way, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. But notice something here, though. This is what's amazing about the gospel is that Jesus isn't just throwing them away, right? And he's not doing that with us either. He's not just saying, all right, we're done with you and brushing us off the side of the table and moving on to somebody who's gonna be a little bit more faithful, no, he gives them opportunity to repent. He has passed his judgment on them. You can't see. You have no real riches. You have no real covering. You are lost. You think you have the Holy Spirit, but you don't. And your ministry is fruitless because of it. But there is hope. There is hope. And if you go back to the beginning there, go back to Revelation 3, verse 14 with me real quick we start to see this just for a moment in the titles that Jesus uses for himself in his addressing of the church. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Remember, those are all titles. But see, what's interesting is if you go back, don't go there now, don't go there now, just write down Isaiah 65 next to that little word, the amen, okay? And some of your Bibles, if you've got good cross-references, you've already got that part noted for you. But what he's talking about in in that particular moment, he's talking about the, the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth there in Isaiah 65. So when Jesus is introducing himself as, as the words of the Amen, that particular title means what he's, what he's about to do is he's going to talk more about the, the new creation. And whenever he says the faithful and true, that's Isaiah 65 as well, but as well as chapter 42, 43, and 44, it's all over the book of Isaiah. He's talking also there about the Messiah's mission to the ends of the earth. I don't have time to go into all those verses. I just need you all to write them down, do your legwork later, or you can just, trust me, pick one. But in these moments, he's not just talking about simple do the work of the ministry. He's talking about building the kingdom of God. In other words, they've stopped the work. Those Christians have become passive, and they refuse to to move the ball any farther down the field in terms of constructing the kingdom of God. They've just stopped. They've rested on their laurels. They've become lazy, and they've done so in a a lot of different reasons that we'll, we'll get to in a little bit. But the Bible teaches us very clearly that Jesus is has been and is now and continues to be active in building the kingdom of God. Revelations, excuse me, chapter 21, verse 5, Behold, I make, what? All things new. We know that verse, don't we? We know that. It's right there on the tip of our tongues. I, I make all things new. In fact, some translations say, I am making all things new. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In other words, the new creation, the new heavens, the new earth, this is big, has already started. We're not just waiting for it. Okay, this is, I'm telling you, man, if you get nothing else today, get this piece right here, okay? The new heavens and the new earth, the work has already started. The kingdom of God is here, amen? Amen? The kingdom of God is advancing now. Amen? And we are called to continue to do that work. We're not just hanging back and waiting for it. We're not just sitting on our laurels and hoping that Jesus shows up to rapture us out of here so we can get the heck off this planet. No, we are doing the work now because that is exactly what Jesus has done. He has already started the new creation, and he has promised that he will finish it. So does he push pause? Heck no. Because he promises that it it will finish. So there's there's only two options. Either the kingdom of God is progressing, right? We see that from the text. Or Jesus has failed his mission. Now come on, y'all, which one is it? The kingdom of God is advancing, and it's advancing now in our time on this earth. And how much did he say it would progress? This is from all over the Bible. I just want to give you some some moments here. He said it will progress to the ends of the earth. He said the kingdom of God will advance like the waters cover the sea. He said the gates of hell will not stand against it. In other words, how, how much farther could he go? He's saying the kingdom of God will finish and will cover all of the earth no matter what. Amen? That's good news from the Lord. Amen. I love the kids are all with me. Amen. I hear like little kid amens just all over the place. I love that. And then when he goes back, let me go back to verse 14 one more time. Revelation 3 verse 14. Hop back up to that for just a minute. The tail end of that verse. He calls himself the beginning of God's creation. Now that's that's referring obviously to his resurrection, right? Now we we know that he was raised on the eighth day and that was the, that was the new creation. So he's the the firstborn, right? We talked about this already, the firstborn of the new creation. We see that in Jesus. And therefore, we are believing upon him. So that means we are secondborn. We have become new. We are being made new. And the world around us is being remade as well, actively now. And therefore, it has already started. If he's the firstborn of the new creation, if the kingdom of God is here, if it is advancing, if it is growing, if it is building, that means that's done. Okay, Stuart, we got it. You've been saying this for 10 minutes. I know, just hold on, okay? Because this is important. Because now, we're in the middle. Do you get what I'm saying? So the kingdom of God is here now. The kingdom of God is advancing now. And it will advance until it covers the ends of the earth and knocks down the gates of hell itself. And will continue to build and, and grow and grow and grow. But we're, on the, we're in the middle. Okay? So what does that mean for us? Think about it like a, a sunrise and sunset. The sun has risen. It's the middle of the day. We're continuing to build and advance the kingdom of God, and we will continue to do so until it covers the ends of the earth. In other words, you and I have the same mission that Jesus had. We have the same mission, the same calling that he has called us to do. Now, we talked about this a little bit at Sunday school this morning, but I'll try to review it with you quickly so that we can kind of move into the next thing. You've heard this expression a lot of times, the already and the not yet of the kingdom of God. You all remember that expression? The kingdom of God is here, but it's coming. The kingdom of God is is advancing, and one day it will finish. So there are things that are the already that the Lord has done and the not quite yet. So the already, obviously, is the resurrection of Jesus. Boom, that's happened. The firstborn of all creation. We can see that in him. We know that we are born again. We are able to follow him in that particular way. We we understand that the heavens have been made completely new. We understand that Satan has been cast out of it. We understand that there has been a, a legal victory. But people still die, right? See, there's the not yet. We, we understand that there's still war and enemies and evil that plague the earth in which we live right now. There's still death and decay and sickness and ailments. And you see? And we haven't quite yet defeated all things. And death itself is not yet under the feet of Jesus. So where are we between those two points? Heaven is invading earth, and you're living in it. Do you hear what I'm telling you? The kingdom of God is advancing on this planet now, and you're living in it. The Bible says that some eventually, in our, and maybe even in our lifetimes, who knows, but eventually, people who die at 100 years old will die young. That's the prophet Isaiah. But it says that the waters are progressively, continuously covering the earth. The gospel is continuously going out. The Spirit is blowing. The, the mountain, if you remember the analogy that was given to Daniel, the mountain is continually growing. But we're not done yet. So what do we do? What is our mission? It's the same it's always been. We continue to pray and work for the not yet. What specifically? Thy kingdom come. You see, church, this is what the Lord has called us to do. We have been called as God's people to pray that he would build his kingdom on this earth while he builds it, that we may go to work. Now, so let me think about some other ways to kind of explain this to us. Let's let's talk about health. It is cold and flu season. Everybody's getting sick. You're dropping like flies, everybody around us. Okay, let's just talk about in the realm of health. The Lord has bought our total healing already by his death in our place. Do y'all see what I'm talking about? So Jesus died for our sins. Death, sickness, illness is a, is a consequence of death. The Lord has already bought that completely. But our total healing hasn't happened yet. We're waiting for it at the end of history. So what do we do? We pray and we work for healing, which is why... Christians were the ones who started the first hospitals. Which is why Christians were the ones who initially advanced the, the realms of medical science. Because we believe that we were building the kingdom of God on this earth now. Are you following with me here? And we we don't do that with, I don't know, I guess I'm gonna keep trying to build the kingdom of God and heal these people, and God, everybody just keeps getting sick. We don't do it like that. We do it with with hope in our heart. In other words, you do it with a degree of that that supernatural power that they were lacking in Laodicea. And I'm going to get back to them in just a moment. Another example would be the Lord promises that our children, generations and generations and generations and generations after us, will be faithful to him. But that doesn't mean that we rest on our laurels and we coast, right? Because, I mean, they're not... All the way fleshed out, fully formed little Christians, just yet. You got some work left to do. And so we teach and we proclaim and we minister and we help and we aid and we all those different things because we're waiting for the Lord to finish that work. Waiting for him to finish it in us, too, to a degree. And we don't do that with pessimism. Oh, the kids, they're still sinning. Of course they are, they're kids. We go and we minister to them and we help them and we teach them and we instruct them and we raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord that one day they may truly, fully, completely understand who Jesus is. The Bible teaches us that we are righteous in Christ. Amen? The Bible says that we are righteous legally in Christ. But I don't know about you, but I'm, sometimes I'm not so righteous. I mean, right? We're, we're caught in that middle moment where we're waiting for the kingdom of God to continue to grow and expand in us. Today, we seek his righteousness and we repent and we ask the Lord to help us again and again and again and again. And this is where we have to watch out for Laodicea. Okay, let's go back. This is where we have to watch out that we don't become like them. (laughs) Excuse me. You see... Laodicea, the people, they, they knew these titles of Jesus. That's why Jesus used them in addressing them. They knew exactly what he was up to. They knew his mission. They knew what they were called and what they should be doing. And, but their actions, they weren't hot or cold. They were lukewarm, right? Jesus says, I know your works. They were content to not do anything. They were content to sit, to sit apathetically. Not, they were content to be the... The lukewarm water, not good for bathing, not good for drinking, and they just lived that way to the point where they make Jesus sick with their complacency. In other words, they were play in church. You know what I'm talking about? And this is very easy for us to do in southwest Louisiana. My goodness, I think there's literally a church on every single corner in the city of Opelousas. Y'all dri- just drive around one day and count churches. They're everywhere. But I would not classify us by any means a Christian town. Not even close. Are we trying to follow the Lord and all of his commands and all of life? No, definitely not. We're still fighting over the very basics of things, like whether or not babies have a right to live. What's happening? No, I would not classify us as a Christian town at all. But this is exactly what we're dealing with here with the Laodiceans. They were pretending, they were playing church. Jesus wasn't there, the Holy Spirit pal wasn't there. But if you go and you read in detail about the church of Laodicea, there's something very interesting. They've got a lot of wealth, right? It makes it clear in that particular text that we read earlier, they're, they're pretty well off. In fact, they've got, a, they've got a beautiful church building. They've got all kinds of cool things going on. They were healthy and they were, they were wealthy and that caused them to stop the work. You see, they stopped advancing the kingdom of God because they got comfortable. In other words, they were satisfied because they forgot that it was about the kingdom of God and not their own personal kingdoms. Are y'all, y'all see what I'm saying? They built their own personal kingdoms, and then they got comfortable in their own little personal kingdoms, and then they stopped advancing the kingdom and cause of Christ, even at expense of their own. Why be concerned with working towards the, the not yet whenever... I mean, I'm feeling pretty good right here. When I've, I feel like I've got all I need, they are satisfied when Jesus obviously is not. But what could be even worse than that? When we fail to believe and work towards the not yet of the kingdom of God, we are completely out of touch with Jesus. We aren't on his mission anymore. We aren't a faithful bride anymore. And he will spit us out and he will judge us and honestly he'll close our church. You see what I'm saying here? This is the threat that Jesus makes to the church of Laodicea. This is the warning that he brings to them if you don't stop everything is going to fall apart. And and if we're not careful that will be us as well. Look, I, I want to be faithful and fruitful throughout my life and I I I know that you too you do as well. But As we're laboring to build the kingdom of God, we need the Holy Spirit to be laboring and doing the work for us, right? And if we're not doing this the right way, we have no Holy Spirit power even remotely involved. If they don't repent, everything that they're trying to build and accomplish is going to be shut down. And they're doing ministry. That's the craziest part to me is that they're doing the ministry that the Lord, they're probably caring for one another and providing for their community and taking care of each other, but there's no kingdom expansion happening because the Holy Spirit's not in it because they have no passion. So what do we do? What do we do if this is us? What do we do if, if, if we're sitting here in these moments and wondering, why don't I have passion How do we fix it? How do we advance? How do we move forward? How do we continue to to, to proclaim and build and establish the kingdom of God? If you're sitting here right now in the room and thinking, I think I have rested on my laurels. I think I have sat complacent in the Holy Spirit. I think I have stopped building the kingdom of God. What do I do? How do I fix it? Well, you go back and you read exactly what Jesus said. Jesus is not turning them over to just destruction. Jesus is not sweeping them off the table. Jesus is not throwing them aside. He gives them opportunities. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Amen? That's verse 19. Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And Jesus even makes it even more simple in verse 20. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. It's very simple to be restored. You repent. Lord, I have been passive. I have not been active in advancing your kingdom, and I am afraid about being spit out of your mouth. as a lukewarm thing that I am. I'm sorry. And Jesus is not sitting there and looking down upon you, tossing you aside. He's waiting for us to repent and to be his faithful People. If you repent, he will heal your complacency and once again give you a passion for the not yet. A passion for the work of the kingdom of God. So if that's you, if that's you, if you're just here at church because I'm supposed to come to church and you recognize this about yourself. If you're just here on a Sunday because this has just become your morning routine on Sundays. If you're just coming because, you know, this is just the, the week out of the month that I managed to get into church. And the Lord has pricked your heart. You can repent. Amen? You can repent and be restored unto the kingdom advancing callings that the Lord has given us to do. He won't spurn you. He promises in this moment that if we would let him in, he would come in and eat with us. Amen, church? So let us not be complacent, lacking passion, but let us trust the Lord and follow him fully in all his ways, and advance his kingdom with him until the end of our days. Let's pray.